SecondCityHockey.com Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit to our people here. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton. Got my two usual line mates with me here on this Tuesday evening. First off, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi. Uh, we were talking about Jonathan Taze before this, and now again, I'm sad. because Every time, <laughs> every time, it, it's, it's sad every time we talk about Jonathan Taze. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still sad, and it's still weird, and... I hope for a happy resolution, but every time, every week that goes by that there's no news. Yeah. I feel like the odds go down. So I miss him. I miss him so much. And, and the Blackhawks are currently on pace to be a, black, a playoff team. And it just doesn't feel right without Taves. I was watching uh, last night was uh, the eight year anniversary of the game at Soldier Field where they beat the Penguins and Taves just went all Taves on the Penguins. Yeah. And just like, it was kind of just it bugged me out because it was fun to remember because I, I got to go to that game and it's one of the best impulse buys of my life. But I also like seeing Taves in that game because he was like a five year old kid skating around playing hockey in a snow globe. Um, yeah, kind of kind of depressing. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but we've got our other linemate tonight, and I've got I've got the introduction lined up for him. He is to Second City Hockey what Dallas Green is to Alexis on Fire. It is Mil Savage. You know, Dave, you got to remember one thing. Eat all you want. Take all you can eat. I said it backwards. That was a Simpsons quote. <laughs> That's why I feel about the Hawks, though. It's like the, you know, eat all you want or take all you want, but eat all you take. But they do it backwards. I, I'll I get like, it. Like, do, do we have to do the food take now? Like, we're, we're already talking about food and we've just got eat, Well, I, I was so really talking about tough shots. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Okay. I was going to say, they take... All they eat all they want, but they have to take what they eat. Yeah, so I think that's normally, backwards. It's backwards. Just like you, you like you got forty five shots on, and then you win seven to two. Okay, I, now now I'm now I'm seeing where you're going with this. This is confusing, but so is this team. So yeah, yeah. No, they they played Saturday night against Detroit and gave up more shots or controlled like possession, like had more shots, better chances, better quantity and quality, all that, and lost. And then they come back on Sunday, don't do so well on the possession side of things, but beat the shit out of Detroit. Thomas Grice sucks. <laughs> Thomas Grice sucks really, really bad. I was that aware of just how bad he was until it was. It got to like that third period of a beer league game where it's just 
your your skaters don't care and the goalie's just going to get lit up and he's going to want to murder every single one of his teammates in the parking lot because they're not doing anything to stop the other team but dude they left this high slot wide open and Zadorov picked his corner I was like come on like that's insane <laughs> I think after the Debrinkin one I thought Grice was just going to well he, he's when he went full Mike Smith on his goalpost with his hot oh, stick beautiful uh, yeah, that guy. Uh, that guy really proves that anybody can play on the Islander system recently. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going there next season to see see how that works out to launch my goalie career. They should uh, pick up yeah. Scott Darling on the cheap. <laughs> he is available since he's no longer playing with Rockford. Um, but before we dive into actual Blackhawks talk, I uh, wanted to let you know that you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Dave Melton. Shepard is at Shepard price. Mill is at mill one eighty two. You can follow the second city hockey main account at two ND city hockey. Also visit the website, secondcityhockey.com for all Blackhawks things on game days and non game days. And also rate review, subscribe, follow wherever it is. You get your podcast. Any five-star reviews we get would be much appreciated, but gentlemen, we, uh, before we look ahead, I just want to take a quick, look back to the weekend's games and, and Mill is going to appreciate this more than you Shepard because of our uh, we can remember the early 2000s when the Blackhawks were the laughing well not oh yeah they were the laughing stock of the NHL and the Red Wings were at the height of their powers and anytime Detroit would show up at the United Center it would be like the Stanley Cup for the Hawks and they'd win a few of them but for the most part Detroit kicked their asses so all of this is to say it is pretty damn fun to see the Red Wings be this shitty again. I mean, I'll never get tired of it. <laughs> no, so. no. I I would happily watch that seven that third period of that seven to two game on Sunday. I could watch that several more times. And, and I, I want to reiterate what you said. Like, I don't think people realize there is rivalries in every sport. But mm-hmm. like, when you would go to the United Center for those games, there was fights in the three hundred level. Oh yeah, it was it was not a friendly thing, and and back in that era, that was when like the way Blackhawks fans take over road stadiums now. Detroit fans used to take over the United Center. Oh, it was, there's always more Detroit fans in our section. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like the the way I described it to non hockey fans was, it's basically like the Bears Packers rivalry, but the Blackhawks are the Packers, and the Red Wings are the Bears now. And like for baseball, I think you could do Cubs Cardinals. So just wanted to yeah, get but, that out of the way. It's good but, to say, but, it could be able to say Detroit sucks and have it be factual. I, I think though, like I just want to throw this out there. I've been to all these cities. I've been to a lot of Cubs Cardinals games and those can get brutal, but I think everybody can agree that we just don't like the city of St. Louis, no matter what baseball team you like. <laughs> like that's just a different breed of people. Uh, yeah. I think that's, I think the city of Detroit having been there is better than the city of St. Louis. I'll ride with <laughs> you on that. Yeah, I, and it's also just across the, the border from Canada too. Yeah, yeah, they they got Tim Hortons there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. They got that on St. Louis. Um, but that's probably about all that's really worth talking about from the last two games the Hawks had. Because what we want to do now is look ahead to what is coming down the pipe for the Hawks, and it's it's going to be ugly, folks. Like there's there's really no good way to sugarcoat what the next three weeks could be like because of all the teams the Blackhawks have to face. First off, they have three games against the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, all at the United Center, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Then they play two against Dallas, who did go to the Cup last year, although they're not so great this year. Like, they won their first four and then have kind of sucked ever since. But then after that, you got 
two in Florida, two in Tampa, and then two at home against Florida. So that would be six. Nine of your next 11 games are against the top two teams in your division who I think most people would objectively say are significantly better than the Blackhawks. So we, we, we try not to go too far ahead of ourselves. So maybe we focus on the short term of because the short term is just as bad as the long term. The short term is the Hawks have back-to-back games against Tampa on Thursday and Friday night, and then another one Sunday afternoon. And that's scary, uh, especially with the way the first two games this season went. So Shepard, I'll start with you. Um, what's uh, how, how are you feeling about all this coming up? Better uh, if Malcolm Subban can return to his form before the, well, the Malcolm game. Malcolm Subban's the guy you you were worried. Yes, because I'm not worried about Kevin Lankin. Let's let's oh, be honest here. I'm worried. The, well, I'm worried about anybody that's not on the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, uh, but like if, those first two games against Tampa, which is the last time that we, the Blackhawks saw them, was in early, in like mid or early January. Yep. Uh, mid January, the goaltending was still trying to get it figured out. The team as a whole, without a preseason, was still trying to figure it out. They didn't play great hockey, but part of that was just, again, figuring it out. This team has it figured out more than they did in early January. It's hard to say that they've got it figured out, period. Their possession numbers are still bad, mm-hmm. but they've got it figured out more. And the goaltending is figuring is largely figured it out and is the rock of this team. I, I believe the Blackhawks can grab at least one of these games. Um Whew. All right. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think that's a bold take. It is. It is it, I mean, it is three games. Like they played the series against the the Gold Knights last postseason. Like nobody expected the Hawks to win, but we we're everyone's like, well, maybe they'll get one. So, and they did because well, Crawford, Crawford will get you one. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe Kevin Lockett will get the Hawks one in these three. Yeah, and like again, if Subban returns to that better form he had, uh, then they have a good number one and a good number two in three games in four and that's a chance yeah a chance chance. i guess i I guess i guess a chance is better than what we thought coming into it i guess what i what i'm trying to reckon with is like like we talk about the possession things and and then this is what concerned me about this whole game is because um they haven't the hawks really haven't consistently had quality possession haven't gotten a lot more shots than their opponent and if you do that against the red wings or the blue jackets or the predators it's you can probably get by with that because they don't have a lot of good players that are going to make that extra possession time hurt the lightning are loaded with that so if you give a team that has the ability like if you give tampa more possession and more shots more chances more scoring opportunities they're going to have the guys that can finish on it. And so that's, I guess that's where my main concern is because they've kind of been playing with fire with all these possession things that if one of the, you know, someone from Detroit or Nashville had a, had a night, they would, they would lose because of they would not have the lion's share of attempts and shots and all that. So if they do that to Tampa, I mean, they'll score three goals in five minutes in the first period and then just coast to the win at the end kind of like the way they did in the first game of the season. Right. Even, even without Nikita Kucherov. Yeah. I, I mean, and yeah, even without probably their best player, they still have Sorelli and point and Stamkos. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting. Several Joseph, and, Joseph and, yeah. and, and then Victor had been on the blue line and they still got Vasilevsky and net. So McDonough. Yeah. yeah, they've got plenty of 
guys who are going to cause problems for the Hawks. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's not ideal, but like I said it's, it's three games in four nights. So that does lend itself to something weird happening. I, th- I think like, like if I'm to the point, I think if the Hawks get two points out of these three games, I'll be thrilled. Yeah. What, what, what are you thinking and feeling about these, uh, this upcoming fun stretch of hockey we're about to have? Um, you know, it's hard to predict what's going to go on with this team. Like, I think we've learned that through half the season. True. But it's one of those weird things where they might get one. You know, you can always goalie somebody. Um, and there's been a lot of small things that I have actually have liked. Uh, Adam Boquist has looked really good lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Debrinket is just turning into a like a, an all-star. And yeah, obviously Kane's been tearing it up. But you know, and then, and then there's other guys too. Shepard put out a, a nice piece about it today. But um, it's it's hard for me to believe that they're going to be able to skate with Tampa Bay because if you look at how many rushes they gave up against a shitty team like Detroit, that's kind of what killed them. Is their defensive um, their their transition game and their defensive system against a team like Tampa Bay didn't give them a chance. So I just – I have a hard time – I mean, maybe they'll get one. I'd love them to go for the sweep and just go on a run here, but, I mean, I just don't know. Like, it's hard for me to believe that they could skate. I mean, you guys been watching Tampa Bay? <laughs> it's, you know. Every every time I do, it's just – it's – like, I, I was watching – I even had this little bit watching Florida and Carolina the other night. It's just the, the – there's a pace at which they play. It's not only their skating, but it's also, like, the, the way they move the puck and they move themselves, just everything is constant motion. And it seems like it's just a notch above what the Hawks can do. I, I guess up and down the roster, like there's, you've, there's been glimpses in the last couple of weeks with that line of uh Suter Kane and Debrinket turns it on and get ever. And there's, there was one, uh, there's an extended shift in Detroit or against Detroit when it was those three up front and Boquist and I think Dahan, but Dahan pretty much like stood at the blue line at the boards and just watched. But those four guys just ran a cycle, moving the puck all over the place. And like that looked like what Tampa can look like at its best. So I think the Hawks have one line that at times can keep up, but they the don't pro- have four lines that can do that. But the problem is John Cooper actually plays matchups and <clears throat> yeah. Colleton, Colleton doesn't. So he'll recognize that. And even if he doesn't have last change, like he does it on the road, he'll take that one line out of it. And then you're left with David Camp and, you know, Carpenter trying to score, which is fine. But like you can't depend on your fourth line to win you a game in the offensive zone against a team like Tampa Bay. Right. Like that's the Carpenter Camp line is their statistical best line. But like they just had to have zero finishing ability. Right. So they're not actually a threat. Yeah. And, and, that's going and the, with the Hawks only having one legitimate scoring line threat right now, you put Victor Hedman out there against them and at, at minimum contain them, if not outright stop them altogether. The Hawks don't have a counter to that, really. It's, yeah, especially with Carlton's line blending. I mean, it it, it hurts the, that like they can't go to Kurkurashev, Strom, Kuba Leak right now because Strom's hurt, but mm. they yeah. got to figure out lines that work. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that I was, so, so the, the thing that the Hawks have really been riding for the last 
for the first month and a half, two months of the season that got them to where they are now, which is holding a playoff spot on March 2nd, defying most of the expectations, if not all of them. But it was really good goaltending and special teams play. Uh, the penalty kill was good. The power play was converting at a rate that is was unsustainable and still is pretty close to unsustainable because it's at – uh, they're at a league best 33.33%. So they've converted on one third of their power play chances and going back to, I think I've mentioned this before, but the last time any team finished with a power play over 30% was like 1972. So that number is going to come down still number one in the league, which is encouraging. But uh, the reason I brought all this up is because do you guys know where the Blackhawks penalty kill is ranked right now? Because about, Two, three, four weeks ago, it was in the top ten. I'm pretty sure it's it's not very good. No, it's like twenty. I would guess twenty fifth. It is twenty third. They're at seventy five percent. And guess where Tampa's power play is? Second, seventh. They're at twenty six ninety eight. So that is to say, and also I should mention Tampa's power play is second at eighty eight point oh six percent. So all that is to say. The special teams battle that the Hawks decidedly had over a lot of their opponents when they were beating these teams, uh, they don't have that anymore either. So that that's another thing where maybe, you know, it, it freaks off for a night and they, they get the power play goal that they need to win a game. But that's another that's another thing that Tampa can match them with. That and the Hawks may not have a counter to that as well. I, I just don't think that the Hawks can power play their way against a team like Tampa or even Florida because there's too much uh, difference five on five to, you know, what are you going to do? Score five power play goals. Is Tampa going to take that many penalties even? Right. Right. Well, usually the faster team doesn't take as many penalties because taking penalties is usually a result of being out of position or having to catch up to somebody and Tampa. Yeah, like hits. Yeah. Or taking a hit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so here, like, I guess it's kind of hard to define like what we're looking for. Well, let me backtrack that. I think what I want to do with you guys is kind of what do you want to see? And not in terms of like results on the scoreboard, because, you know, this is, we're not really talking about playoff chase yet. If we, if we get to April, the Hawks are still in the playoff chase, then we can, we can do that there. But just, I don't know if it's from a, uh, from a strategy thing or from a player thing. I don't know what kind of thing uh, it can be. This is kind of an open ended question, but, Shepard, I'll go to you first. What do you want to see the Blackhawks do in these three games against Tampa? That'll that'll leave you feeling feeling good if this happens. Uh, start well, starting with Tampa, I want to see four wins in the next three weeks because uh, I think they can get four wins. But oh, so four in, wins in the next eleven games? Yes. Opinion. Yeah. Okay. I mean, again, we we are talking about two teams first that are for sure better than the Blackhawks, and one team that is probably for sure worse than the Blackhawks and the Stars. Um. Oh, Dallas has fallen. Yeah, Dallas they're, not, they're no good. Yeah, they're no good. Um, but I, if if they if they come out on Thursday uh, and get embarrassed by the Lightning, I want to see the youth the rest of the way. I just want to see them get like serious minutes. I want to see Ian Mitchell put up a twenty. I want to see Adam Boquist put up like a twenty-two in terms of time on ice. Um, especially alongside like good partners like Connor Murphy. Um. I want to see Kurashev get serious minutes. I want to see Kubalik get serious minutes. I want to see Debrinkat everywhere. Um, well, I, I guess like less about like player deployment, but like what do you want to see the player? Is there something that you want to see the players 
do see the team do on the ice that will even if they lose all three that maybe you can come away with and say all right that didn't suck as much as i thought it would a better save percentage than they had in the first two games (laughs) okay because it was somewhere in the mid to upper 80s if i remember correctly or 800s Mm -hmm. what have you they have a save percentage above 900 above 900 just 900 flat i'm not i'm happy okay mill what about you what are you gonna have your eye on for the next uh next three games all right so in the defensive zone I know they're not going to change their system. So I really would just like them to stay in position and not chase hits. I think if you can stay in your lane and not force your guy to pinch up and over, it'll be a lot better on the scoreboard or at least for the shots. Okay. Um, I think staying in position defensively. And then I'd like to see cleaner zone exits and entries. And then the offensive zone, try not to get killed on the outside set up, try to create some shooting lanes just give yourself a chance to win because they've been getting suffocated in certain situations and they don't make adjustments. And that's just a little worrisome for me. I think what you, the thing you said about a chance to win, I think that's my biggest thing. And I, I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the start of the season that, you know, regardless of like, none of us expected the Hawks to be where they are right now, but we all knew it was going to be, more of a focus on the younger players and they were going to, you know, try and develop some of these guys that have been knocking on the door for a while, but it's hard to do that. And when you have games like they did the first three games of the season, when it was decided by halfway through the second period, if not sooner. So the idea that you said mill about giving them a chance to win, I just want the games to be competitive. That I think that's really, that's where my bar is set. I like first year against Tampa. If they lose all three, like tip your cap, Tampa's really good, and the Hawks are building for the long term. I wouldn't be devastated if they lose three one goal games. I, I can live with that. If they lose of three games by six to one, then then we're then you then everything you've done the last six weeks feels undone. Granted, players will right. make progress, all that stuff, but any any sort of confidence that might have been built by the players on the ice and the people watching them. Uh, will evaporate immediately if they get housed three times by Tampa. Yeah, no leads larger than two goals would be awesome. Yeah, and I mean, even if they, you know, if you blow a two or three goal lead or something, like I just just have the game make make them make the game be for sixty minutes. I think that's all I ask, which doesn't seem like a lot, but the way the first three games went this season. It's it would be a step in the right direction if they have three competitive games against Tampa based off the way the season started. Yeah, I mean Tampa is that good though too. I don't think like when we're saying this stuff, I, I don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been hard on the Hawks, but Tampa is just, they're that good. Like it's not like we're saying all oh, the Hawks have no chance because they're absolutely terrible. It's like they haven't been playing great, but Tampa is a powerhouse even without Kucherov. You know, I can't believe they're still this good. Like, I and mean, maybe this is. Maybe this is the way people felt about the Hawks when they were still winning in 2015. Well, yeah. But look at like, John Cooper. Yeah, like the last time the Hawks were in the cup, like it was against this team. And a lot of these names are still here. Stamkos is still here. Hedman's still here. Kalorn's still here. Palat's still John, here. Johnson, they're still there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've added, you know, they picked up Braden Point and Sorelli and Sergachev and, and a few other guys and Vasilevsky and Nett. So yeah, well, he was the backup, right? I think so. But, and he played in that one. series. Yeah, he came in for like a little bit. Yeah, because Ben Bishop got him. No, I think he played he, he played the majority of the series, I think. No, it was Ben Bishop, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I thought it was Ben Well, we can look at that, but I'm just, I, to, yeah. to Dave's point, 
it's uh it's a very good team. And the thing is, if you don't have Stamkos in the lineup, or clearly they've been missing Kucherov, they play within a system where their guys that they have are capable of filling those roles, and they're hard to beat because you know they all pick up the slack where someone else leaves off, even a powerhouse guy. The Hawks have injury problems, and I mean, you know, it's tough to to fill those roles. Yeah, any any team's going to struggle to replace their top two centers. Well, except for Tampa somehow. I well, think. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. All right. Well, I guess just be Tampa. Yeah. Like they well, they are relocate. <laughs> they are the standard down the NHL for sure, and they are, no they are the team that everyone is trying to to catch. And by the way, to go back to the thing you said, uh, Vasilevsky played two played in two games in that series. Okay. Well, I want to I want to just say too, Dave. Like the thing, the Hawks were the standard. Now it's teams like Tampa, Vegas, Colorado. It's all about who's the fastest team is, who's also good. It's like you mm-hmm. can be fast and bad, or you can be good and slow. But it's like if you can't skate with these teams and they're better than you, it's tough to beat them. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's and I feel like the Hawks on the blue line especially are moving in that direction because all the guys that they're, you know, all the young guys that they're uh, grooming right now, Mitchell, Boquist, Bowden, they can all skate. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, Kane still moves pretty well. Like he, he's never been a burner, but he's always been able to skate well enough to bring his skates pretty well. Suter can fly. Kurashev can fly. So they're. Hagel's the fastest guy in the league. Yes. Hagel can move. Yeah, Kubelik can move. So they're they're getting there. It's just it's you know it put, it's putting the whole package together that we hope happens in the next two or three seasons. And um, but then they also have Nikita Zadorov. So uh, don't, don't, for how much longer do they have Nikita Zadorov? Oh, is the question. Thirty-five games. Don't I talk hope. Crap. <laughs> don't talk crap about Zadorov, Dave. He's still adjusting and developing to the league. He's a young guy. He's twenty-five. I'd be six. Every single thing I read. He's he's in prime. He's in his prime. What are we doing? I've been and even when they're shitty, the same as he's been. It's it is what it is. But hey, he had a nice goal the other night. So good, good for him. He as soon as he scored that goal, my first thought was, well, a was I didn't know he could do that, and b I think that just served as a good reminder that. If you give any NHL player the entire slot to navigate, to skate towards your goal and then fire a wrist shot completely un, uh, un, uh, unchallenged by a defender, he's probably going to score. Well, yeah, if you're in the NHL, you have to be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I certainly have. Like 80 to 90% of guys in the league are going to score. Credit to Zadorov. He, does, he has a better shot than I guess I realized, but the number of times that he will have that much time and space in that position again in his career – you can probably count okay. on one hand. And that's the thing I complain about is if you want to play Zadorov in the offensive zone and you cycle and then you give him time to set up a shot, kind of like how Seabrook used to, like, that's great, but they can't do that. Right, because they don't have they don't cycle that well. They, well, yeah, they can't set up. And to the Hawks' credit, every center they have is pretty much dead. So it's it's tough to deal I, you with. You know, I, I was saying about two centers. They're down three centers right now. Yeah, yeah Dylan, Dylan Strom's out. Yeah. And Dylan Strom is even before he was struggling, man. I mean, yeah. it's it's hard to watch. It's Let's a, talk it, about the Blackhawks center for a second because it's Strom who's injured, uh, Pius Suter who's a rookie, Carl Soderberg who looks thirty five, 
Uh, he is 35. David Kampf, who's who's really <laughs> solid and really good at possession. Yeah, I know. He's 35. He looks, but he like looks 35. He um, wears 34, though, so. Yeah. And then David Kampf, who's really good at possession and not much else. I mean, Kampf is like the guy who is like doing his job because that's what he's supposed to be there to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not his fault everyone else is hurt. And, right, but like he can't be a top line center, though. Yeah. No, and, no, no. And in spite of all of that, they're in a playoff spot. Like this, I don't. I don't think we've, uh, and it's it's hard to do it in, a, in one podcast episode. But I don't think it's kind of difficult to fully grasp how ridiculous it is that this team is in contention for a playoff spot right now because they know, have no business being there. Like the, you know, uh, Kevin Likert needs to be in the hard conversation bigger than he is. Uh, well, you 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 can settle for a Calder Trophy. Can you though? Because Kaprizov is killing it. If anybody from the Hawks gets a Hart Trophy, it's going to be Kane. All right, but I think we're looking at all these Florida games because they're coming up, Tampa and Florida. But you know, to me, what's going to be a real, really going to answer some questions is when they get to see Nashville again because Nashville totally sucks, and they yes, still they oh, and, they, and, and the Hawks couldn't score on them at all. So I'm kind of thinking if the Hawks go in there and just pound them, like I'll be like, all right, the Hawks are making progress. But if they can't skate with a team like that, it's really going to tell me, okay, like. Columbus sucks. Obviously, Detroit sucks. It's like it's just kind of the Hawks are better than some of the teams that they have to play. That's kind of where I sit. There is something to be said for beating the teams that are worse than you. And, and like, like even if you struggle against the top teams, if you consistently beat the teams that are worse than you, that's half the battle of being a good team. It's, so that's why I want to see it against Nashville. Yeah, beat the teams you should. And it's, I mean, and we just saw the Hawks lose one game to Detroit last weekend, so they're not there yet. I mean, even the Hawks in their heyday would every now and then lay an egg against. It was always Colorado. Colorado yep. somehow, even when they sucked, yep. would somehow find a way to beat the Hawks for no reason. Brendan Yip would like come out and just like light them up, and you're sitting yeah. there going, "This guy hasn't scored in 200 games." Or they, yeah, there's Edmonton, a reason I. Or they'd go to Edmonton and Sam Gagne would score eight fucking points in a game. Yeah, don't, don't there's a reason me. I hated Colorado before any other rival. Uh, cause they always ended the streaks. Like they ended Kane's point streak in that, uh, one year they ended the 24 0 and one run. Yeah. Like uh-huh. by the all, way, always Colorado. While you guys were mentioning, uh, Nashville, uh, who was already had plenty of issues. They put, uh, Ryan Ellis went on IR. He's out for four to six. Luke Coonan's out two to four. He's on injured reserve and Ryan Johansson got put on the uh, COVID protocol list. So things are going well in Nashville. But, yeah, uh, pick up wins against Nashville and Dallas right now. You gotta. Yeah, I mean, it's with the way that they're sitting right now. If if they beat the teams that they quote should, they should be in playoff contest. Even if they get their asses kicked by Florida and Tampa in the month of March, you can still at least be in contention for a playoff spot when we get to April. Which again is a crazy sentence to say, but it's it sure beats being where the Red Wings are. I guess so. But uh, I think that'll do it for this uh, this portion of the podcast. We're going to take a little break, come back on the other side of this timeout, and I think we got some questions and, and some food things to talk about, so we'll, uh, we'll revisit that on the other side of this timeout. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, we got a few questions from the Second City Hockey community. By the way, if you're ever interested in participating in these questions, sign up at secondcityhockey.com. I will, every now and then I pop into one of the articles 
and uh, as solicit questions from our uh, readers. So if you're interested in doing that, that's where you can find it. But uh, let's, let's see what we've got this evening. Uh, still, Jim L23 had two questions for us. The first one was about expectations for March. I think we've uh, dove well into that the first segment. But his other one was, I, I thought this was an interesting one, is uh, in 25 years, so that'll be in uh, 2046, if math serves me correctly, uh, 25 years from now, who's going to have the most career goals out of these five guys? Ian Mitchell, Adam Boquist, Evan Barrett, Mackenzie and Twistle, or Cam Morrison? It is Cam Morrison and not Brad Morrison? Yes, Brad is the a, is the one we traded for Olimata. Cam is the Notre Dame free agent. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Out of those five, who's going to have the most goals? And Essentially, it's when their careers are over. I'll take Boquist. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, it's hard to really say. I'd like to say Boquist if he starts being more selfish. Mm-hmm. I like. Obviously, defensemen are a little behind the water because it's goals and they don't always score a ton. Although Mitchell and Boquist definitely have offensive ability. I'm kind of leaning Evan Barrett because I I think in the next year or two, I think he's going to start knocking on the door a little bit. He seems like as long as everything goes well for him in Rockford, which I haven't had a chance to watch any Rockford games, so I have no knowledge of how he's doing down there. But there was reading a lot of the things about him in college and reading what some of the other quote hockey experts were saying about him. He seems like he's got a solid career as a third, maybe fourth line center brewing. So I think that would be my guy. Yeah, because that, yeah. that's the thing is like you have to think about his ceiling because he's a third, fourth line guy. Yeah, but you can score fifteen to twenty goals for or like say average like fifteen goals for ten seasons. That's one hundred and fifty goals. Uh, that's a lot of goals. I'll, I'll I think a defensive can score twenty goals to be, well, to be honest. I mean, Duncan Keith played sixteen years and he's only got one hundred and one. Well, that's Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith has never been a goal scorer. Fair. Yeah, that I, I think. Or to the last it's game. hard to it's hard to judge guys who are still in college or playing at the Rock because it's like it's a totally different game than the NHL, right? And some guys look awesome because they're playing against tomato cans, and then they go to the league and they can't play. Some guys don't look like they're going to be anything, and then they're awesome in the pros. So it's it's really hard to tell. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to I'm thinking of like a good comparison for like a guy who toiled as mainly a third or fourth liner for most of his career. So. uh I'll give you guys Marcus Kruger over under 50 goals for his career. He's got to be under. Over. No, no, no. No, he's over. Uh, it depends on he's hurt a lot. Wait, push. He, he played push. He played 520 games. Push. Uh, I think he's over by a couple. He's under at 38. So, See, maybe, so maybe I should have went with Adam Boquist. <laughs> but I remember, you know, man. His career yeah. was nine in his first season in 11-12. Okay, so he's 12 off, but in 500 games, you know. So, yeah, all right. I, I still I still lean Evan Barrett because defensemen don't score goals as much, and I think it seems like scoring is on its way up across the league. So Adam Bocos could be a winger for what it's worth. Yeah, Adam, and, and there are goal, there are goal ten, there are defensemen who can score 20 goals. Like Zach Wierenski scored, what, like 18 last season? Something like that. Well, I guess we'll have to revisit this in 25 years. It's like yeah, some twin, yeah, I look twin forward to the, stuff. Yeah, we'll be at episode 3,297. And uh, yeah, 
I look forward to that as well. When uh, Patrick Kane Jr. is uh, or Patrick Kane the third, isn't it? Well, he yes, it's Patrick Kane the third. His son is the third. There you go. Uh, I'm sure he'll be at at least that's original. So I uh, got another one from BMAC too, who was a frequent participant last week's question. So he's uh, a regular in the ACH comment section. So I'm sure we'll see plenty of questions from him, but this is an interesting one that I hadn't thought about the trade deadlines coming up. I believe it's at the end of March, right? Something like right. that. Mm-hmm. I said, how do you see the temporary realignment impacting intradivision trading leading up to the deadline specifically in the central North this year, uh, next season, half these teams won't even be in the same conference anymore. So do you see that making intradivisional trades more likely than usual? No, if not, they're a rental. It's like going to yeah. be about the same. That's fair. That guy's a term. I don't think teams like Tampa and Florida like give a shit about like you know like they they're they're going to get who they want because they're not afraid to play these teams in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the old. I think that's a older mindset in sports in general about not trading within your division. I, I think teams are more likely to do that than they used to be. Because I think they believe that they can get a mutually beneficial deal that helps both sides. Yeah, yeah, and it's a the free agency is a whole another world compared to yeah. what it used to be. Yeah, until until you're the Blackhawks and you trade Brandon Saad to Colorado. I mean, he, he got <laughs> traded this for this season though, and we're not playing him. Yeah, that's true. That yeah, I mean, yeah, that's an issue. that would would be something interesting to watch. I think that that thought in general of trading. Like I said, trading within the division isn't really as much of a taboo thing as it used to be. I'm, I'm trying to think if the the Hawks and Wings have ever made a trade, or the Hawks. Mm. And- well, one comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, yes, one does come to mind, <laughs> and maybe that's why I, I can't think of any trades since then. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. That's the Chris and, uh, Chelios Chris Chelios trade for those of you playing at home. We used to uh, call I mean, him to be- Judas. <laughs> <laughs> to imagine a, fa- a more favorable thing, there's also free agent signings from the Red Wings to the Blackhawks. There is, there is that. That is a much better fit. Yes, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about those instead because the other one. There's a bunch of guys like Lapointe and uh, like guys like that who came over in the in the days where the Hawks sucked. Oh yeah, that like it was the uh, the retirement home for former Red Wings players was to come to the Blackhawks and. Lapointe wore the captaincy when a coin was hurt. <laughs> yeah, although and then like Robert Lang was another one. Yeah, Link was there in 07, 08, so they only missed the playoffs by three and, points and, that year. Uh, Jason Williams is the other one that I was. And then the other, and then the other one, the greatest free agent signing in the history of Chicago. Well, that's oh, also that's that's the way. Yeah. yeah, but Hosta was only there for one year. Still signed from the Red Wings. Yeah. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Though, like, um, to me, Hosta, I remember him more like as a thrasher or as a uh, yeah. Hank, as a uh, even as Sens used to get. Knocked on his ass a lot. I just my my main memory of Marion Hosa before he came to Chicago was he was the guy that knocked Brian Berard's eye out. Ooh, yeah, with it with the Aaron spinning uh, slap shot attempt, and then because then Brian Berard came to the Hawks and got the uh, the Masterson Trophy because he was playing with essentially one eye. Wow. Well, I think we've. uh, uh, I think those are all the questions we had. And I think we've effectively wandered off the rails because I've mentioned Brian Berard. So I think we've gone far enough away from the planned topic that we could uh, start to bring this in for landing. And I I believe we're on the food take portion of the podcast. And I think it's my turn. 
this week mm-hmm. uh, to say mm-hmm. something other than desserts are good. So, which uh, is valid. Yeah, I mean, not wrong, but I so I, I want to go the opposite direction and find a food that I, I feel like people put too much value on or, mm-hmm. or just overrate in general. And I think what I've settled on is mashed potatoes suck. Of all the things you could do with potatoes, the mashing them at the bottom of that list. I'm because does anybody eat mashed potatoes plain? No, you load them up with salt or butter or sour cream or cheese or all of the above. You know, just to I, make I it like, taste good. I think all potatoes taste better when prepared right, though. Like most of them are bad plain. Yes, bad, potatoes are not a food you eat plain. Like. I'll I'll have a, I'll have a t- I'll take next week, but uh, you, well, I mean, with, you you can't eat French fries uh, plain. I was gonna say I I think I'm tired of fries. You know what the best like, way to eat fries is if you put them in a bag and shake them up with spices and pepper and stuff. Okay. Yeah, they need to make them Five Guys style. You need to like absolutely douse them in in spice. Yeah. yeah. All right, but I I just mashed potatoes like I like they're. Like it's not even fine. Like I, I feel every every time you have mashed potatoes, they're like you have to throw on like gravy or you have to add something else to it to make it good. And yeah. like outside of like just the regular spices, you have to like oh, it. yeah, but like they're again, that's like every yeah they they're a side and also they're a, it's a conveyor it's a con, it's a food conveyor for those tastes that you want like butter and garlic and salt yeah a food conveyor uh, yeah. Uh, that's, I would bet you guys any money somebody out there puts ranch on their mashed potatoes. Oh, would you put ranch on your spaghetti? <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> fucking not. <laughs> oh, I would rather. But there's so yeah. Oh. There's so many good foods that use mashed potatoes though. Because like shepherd's pie, there's Thanksgiving dinner. You need mashed potatoes on the table. Like no, mashed potatoes I, are good. No, I I could have I could have a perfectly sweet potatoes all day over mashed potatoes. Well, okay, yes. Sweet potato but, fries are so underrated. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. A sweet potatoes in general are under underrated, so yeah. I'm with you. Yes. But um all right. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad I got to, I'm I'm sure somebody is like ready to fight over over the uh, I don't need mashed potatoes at my Thanksgiving dinner. We should take a poll. It's like what do you disagree with most? Our food takes, our coach takes, or our defenseman takes? <laughs> And then the option D will be all of the above, and that's oh. where all the answers will be. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we have to do that poll after I've, I've revealed my hottest defenseman take, though, because oh, Dave oh. knows what it is. Yeah, Dave knows it, what it is. Yeah, I. Yeah. You could tell me. <laughs> we could tell me off. Here. Yeah. <laughs> well, before before you go and do something like that, I think we'll uh, put a bow on this episode of Music of Madison. Any other final thoughts? Uh, let's, let's sweep the rest of the season. 23 and 0 second half. <laughs> Dude, uh, we have, they have more than 23 games left though. I thought they, they have, like, I thought they played. He's, he's just saying they're going to have to forfeit like two or three because of COVID. Or te- wait, we're at 23, 23 puts us at 46 out of 56. They have so to play to 33 10. more games. So 33. Yeah, 33. Oh, Really? Yeah, Damn. they have 33 more games. We're not even know. to the halfway mark yet. Why must they yeah. do this to me? Oh, we're going to see Colin Delia more down the, down the stretch. I, they Absolutely. better. He's not dead. Could be. Waking at Bernie style. 
Kim, I mean, we have, to, we have to see what he does. We have to see what he does in, in his conditioning yeah, stint in Rockford. That's well, I, he, yeah, he was really bad in his first game in six weeks. <laughs> Shocking. You remember when they sent Dave? Uh, I guess it was Florida. They they went Dave Boland went on LTI retirement. It was called it a conditioning assignment <laughs> just because he was dead. <laughs> and now he goes online <laughs> and talks shit about Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Boland Twitter follow is pretty good because. Uh, for some reason, Maple Leaf fans have a personal vendetta against him, and maybe because he Bowen. won three champ or two championships in his career. But it's, he's it's one of my favorite Hawks. Oh, oh, I, I will. I am absolutely in the Dave Bowen fan club. So I got the jersey his rookie year. <laughs> that I mean, me. I got I got it eventually, but not not his rookie year. But that's he, the he was, year they wore black. Still, he was the guy that like. He was a the the thing with him is I always thought he had more offensive upside because he put up some pornographic numbers in the OHL for London. Well, it's a usage thing. Quenville used to start his line. Yeah, yeah, and like the, in his best season that he had, he was like a fifty point guy. Like he was yeah. not. He had more offensive upside, but once his his body started failing him a little bit and he kind of lost that. And then it, uh, didn't. but yeah, yeah. But before we get out of here, can I ask you one thing about Bolin? Go ahead. Do you, you remember the 2011 Vancouver series and they're down three Oh, and then Bolin came back and had a four point night to lead the comeback. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the first goal of that game, he killed Dan Ham. He's behind the net and the puck came out to Bickle and <laughs> Oh, he fucking destroyed him. I could, we could wax poetic about Dave Bolin for another hour, but oh. to, to say, yeah. Uh, there was there's a Photoshop. There's a Photoshop that exists on the internet somewhere, and it's Dave Bolin like walking away from explosion and says like now arriving at Vancouver, and a caption bomb says I'm back, bitches. I went to his last game at the UC for with Florida when he was in Florida, like on purpose. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, he's on, probably, like on purpose. Because I, like I was like, oh, he, he blows here, and he just got a ton of money. He's probably done. Hey, good for him. Yeah, honestly. All right. Well, I, I think I think now that we've gotten a Dave Bolden appreciation minute, uh, I think we can officially end this here episode of Musings on Madison. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. You can follow Mill at Mill182. Shepard is at Shepard Price. I am at underscore Dave Melton. Uh, follow the main account at 2ND City Hockey. Visit secondcityhockey.com. We got plenty of content. Game days, not game days, practice updates, all, all that good stuff. I think we've even got another prospect update coming to you pretty soon. Uh, So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye on these airwaves. We'll have another episode coming up next week. And uh, I'm sure more deep dish episodes coming on Mondays as well. Um, So I think that'll do it again for this episode. For Mill, for Shepard, I'm Dave. And as always, go Hawks.